Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. She's a, a lady who fears God. She was a religious lady, but she didn't have a relationship with Jesus until Paul showed up and said, let me tell you about Jesus. And God opened her heart. That's the beauty of evangelism. It's not up to you. to You can't open anybody's heart, but you can present the gospel of Jesus Christ and maybe watch God open their heart. And that's the coolest thing ever. You never know when someone is ready to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. As you listen to today's message from Pastor James, he encourages you to share the gospel with others as much as you can. God can soften even the hardest of hearts. It's not your job to make them receive or to believe. Pastor James reminds you that your job is to simply be willing to share with others. Don't get discouraged if you've shared and it seems as if the message hasn't taken root. Share and watch the Lord work. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Philippians chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. others, yourself. Like that's the proper structure. Focus on Jesus. First and foremost, top priority of your life, Jesus, numero uno, okay? Then other people. But what about me? Well, you're on the list. You're just last. You're just last. That doesn't sound right to me. Oh, no, it, it's perfect. It's actually right. But I, what, no, you will, listen, I, I am really good at taking care of myself. I'm really good at that, okay? I know how to do that really well. Nobody even had to teach me that. It just came natural. It just came natural. What I'm not good at is taking care of other people. Well, that is supernatural. Now, some of you, that may be a natural kind of instinct. Some of that comes easier than others, for sure. But I tend to be a very selfish person. I will admit it. And I like to, take, I like to flip the JOY acronym around. Y-O-J, right? Like me, okay, you, uh, if you want to use it that way. And then, well, others, well, no, maybe Jesus is over others. Yeah, I'll put Jesus. It's wrong. It's Jesus, others, then yourself. That's how you have joy. That's how you have joy. You want to know the secret. It's, it's, it's there. It's within the word itself. Focus on the Lord Jesus. Be like the Lord Jesus. Here's our little, our little slogan for this whole sermon series kind of thing just like Jesus. That's how you have joy in this life. But what if the world's falling apart? What if, what if, what if it is falling? Well, then be just like Jesus. And man, the whole world could be on fire, and you can have joy, and you can have joy. It doesn't mean that you're like always happy, okay? It doesn't always mean that you're always walking around with a smile on your face. We've, we've talked about this many times before, but it does mean that in, regardless of the circumstances, you can be overflowing with joy. You can be. So that's what we're going to see. We're going to look at this, these first 11 verses, and there, there are three aspects within this, this first little section here, this, the greeting and then the, the thankfulness, the, the kind of the, the prayer, so to speak, that Paul throws out to, the, to these guys. There are three things that, that I'll ask for you guys to kind of hold on to 
for yourselves and to walk away with these three things. But let's, let's read through the whole section, and then we'll go back through and break these things down. Verse 1, it says this, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, all the saints, all sa- saints mean believers, okay? Not people who perform miracles or at least two miracles in your life or anything. No, a saint is a believer in Jesus Christ. Technically, that is, that is, that is exactly what that means, okay? So you may not feel like a saint, but if you're a believer in Jesus, you are a saint, okay? Amen, yeah. So to all the saints who are in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, now remember the start of this church. I said we're going to read through this. That might not happen. Okay, let's, because we're just going to go right for this. I, 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 can't, I can't move on from this because last week we, we learned who started this church. It was Lydia, a seller of purple. She's a Gentile, and she was hosting a, there was a women's prayer meeting at the, at the river because there's not enough Jewish men in Philippi to, to start up a synagogue because that's Paul's, that's, his, uh, that's how he normally does things. He shows up in the town, a prominent city, finds a synagogue and goes there. Well, there's not one in Philippi, but he heard that there's a prayer meeting out at the river and he met Lydia. And as he's preaching the gospel, God opens up Lydia's heart to receive the gospel to receive Jesus. She's a religious woman. She's a a lady who fears God. She was a religious lady, but she didn't have a relationship with Jesus until Paul showed up and said, let me tell you about Jesus. And God opened her heart. That's the beauty of evangelism. It's not up to you. You can't open anybody's heart, but you can present the gospel of Jesus Christ and maybe watch God open their heart. And it's the coolest thing ever. It's the coolest thing ever. So you start with Lydia, a prominent lady in Philippi, very well off. We know that because she had a house that was big enough to host this missionary team for their entire stay in Philippi, okay? So as they're doing ministry in Philippi, well, the next person in the church, so to speak, now technically we, we can't say that there may have been other people added even before this incident, but they're going around. There's a little slave girl. She's demon-possessed, and she's harassing the Apostle Paul and his missionary team, saying, these guys are proclaiming the way of salvation. You think that's good? Well, no, no, no. We don't. She's not on the team. You don't want people getting confused because you can have somebody who's not on the team talking about Jesus, but they don't even know him. And then you, want, you don't want outsiders getting confused with like, well, but they're saying the same thing, so I can follow them, right? No, no, you can't. You don't, what's she about? Well, she's about this python demon, right? That's technically what, what uh, this demonic spirit was, the, the word there is, is python. There's a whole lot of history behind that in and of itself. Paul casts the demon out of her, sets her free, sets her free. Beautiful story there. Her owners, these two men, they were absolutely infuriated, lost it. Why? Because their means to an end is gone. It's gone. So they, they arrest Paul and Silas. Why? Well, they're the only Titan. Well, Timothy's half Jewish, but they don't recognize that in Timothy. They still, the, the, Philipp, the Philippians see him as Gentile because his dad's a Gentile. So they don't arrest Dr. Luke, who's a Gentile, and Timothy, who they see as a Gentile, but they'll, they will arrest the two Jews. And so they arrest Paul and Silas, and they throw them in a dungeon. 
So the next, the third person on this startup of the church in, in, in Philippi is this mean, cruel prison guard. He actually runs the prison. He oversees the whole thing. Supernatural earthquake, as Paul and Silas are on their backs, feet are in stocks, their backs were beaten to a pulp by this, more than likely, by this prison guard. And then he locks them into the dungeon. And not just the dungeon, but the innermost dungeon. Puts their feet in stocks because he wants to make sure these guys do not escape at all. And at midnight, the darkest, at the the midnight hour is what we call it, when things seem the most bleak, they're singing worship songs and they're praying. And prisoners are hearing this. The jailer's asleep. God causes an earthquake. Doors open up. Shackles break free. Paul keeps, somehow the prisoners all stay there. Nobody runs away. And this jailer runs in and says, sirs, sirs, what must I do to get saved? What must I do to be saved? That dude gets saved. His household gets saved. Not to, don't forget, Lydia's whole household got saved as well. They got baptized. This guy's going to get baptized. This guy washes their wounds that more than likely he had caused himself, washes their wounds, feeds them, takes them back. And then the the kicker of the story is the ruling officials of the city come back to say, okay, hey, Paul, Silas, you guys are free. Actually, they don't even show up. They send a memo. They send an email to this jail guy. And they're like, hey, let those dudes go. And Paul's like, I don't think so. Hey, uh, mayor of the city, you committed a crime. How about you come down and let us go? You broke the law. Paul could have been a good Christian and gone out quietly, but Paul's heart and his mind are for the church. It's for the, this new established church of Philippi. And he's like, no, 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 no. We're not going to sweep this under the rug. I'm a Roman citizen. You broke the law. You come down and, let, and escort me out. By the way, I will not leave the city until I'm done saying my goodbyes. I love that, that bravado that Paul had, right? He knew when to, he knew when to you know, kind of play the cards. He didn't always play those cards, but he knew when to do that. And these guys, the ruling officials, were like scared because they knew they broke a law. They didn't even bother asking this Jewish man if he was a Roman citizen, but he was. And so they came down, tails between their legs, and said, we are so sorry. We are so sorry. And we joked about this before, but you know, here's, here's the key to the city. Um, today's National Paul Day, uh, you know, forever in Philippi, please leave our city. And Paul says, I am going to leave, but I got to make a few stops before I go. And he goes back to Lydia's house. He encourages the church there, and then he moves on to the next town. That's the church of Philippi. And as Paul's writing this letter, to all the saints. So now you know who he's talking to. At least three people. You know at least three people that he's talking to. He's talking to Lydia. He's talking to that once formerly demon-possessed little slave girl who's been set free. And I believe she's probably living with Lydia. That's my own interpretation. I can't be dogmatic on that. But I believe Lydia probably adopted that girl. And then you got this prison guard, former military, hardened kind of guy, totally transformed. Those are the saints. Those are the saints. Letter from Paul and Timothy. And here's how Paul describes himself. To the saints who are in Philippi. This is, I'm reading a New King James. But it says, to the saints who are in, G- here in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons. Bishops. Bishop is overseer. It's another word for pastor, okay? There, I, there's all these, these different terms that are out there. You got 
bishop this, or nobody really goes by overseer that, you know, but basically it's, it's, a past, it's a pastoral term is what it is, okay? So a bishop or an overseer, that's a pastor. The deacons, those are ones faithful individuals because there's men and women who serve as deacons and deaconesses, okay, just so you understand that, they're serving the body, the local body, okay? So Paul is saying, hey, this is me and Timothy. We are bondservants of Jesus Christ. We are slaves by choice. Slaves by choice. Slaves or bondservants are slaves of our own free will to Jesus Christ. We have a master, and his name is Jesus. There you go. He says this, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. A very common greeting from the Apostle Paul in almost all of his letters, okay, and especially the prison letters. This is technically what this is, written from a place of, of imprisonment. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Both come from God. Both are gifts from God. Both are desperately needed in mine in your life. And you can't have one without the other. You want peace? Well, you need the grace of God. You want grace? Well, get the grace. He's going to give you some peace. It's amazing. It's amazing. Now, here he goes into this, this, um, this thankfulness and this prayer towards this church. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I, I just, I love, this letter is so intimate and it is so personal. There's not a lot of like correction within this letter. You even saw in that video, there, there was a little bit of church drama. Anytime you have a church, there's always going to be drama, okay? I don't care what church it is. There was a little bit of drama, but there's not a lot of correction in this letter. This letter just kind of oozes just compassion and love from Paul. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Basically this, every time, anytime God brings you to my memory, Oh, I'm just thanking him for you. I'm thanking him for you. Are, are you doing that? Are you doing that? You should be doing that. Personal application. Do this. <laughs> there you go. When, God, when somebody comes into your brain, they come into your mind, right? You may be thinking like, just a weird kind of coincidence, or it's, it's maybe this or that. I would just take it like this. Maybe God has just dropped that little person into your mind so that you can pray for them, so that you can be thankful for them. Paul's like, as he's in jail writing this letter, he's like, man, every time God brings you to my remembrance, I'm just thanking him for you. I'm so thankful for you guys. He goes on to say, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all, or Texas version, for y'all, uh, with joy. Here's Paul in prison, and he's like, you know what? When I have my devotions and I have my prayer time, the Lord reminds me of you guys, and it just fills me with joy. It just fills me with joy. And we know the story. You know the story. This is one of the cities where Paul, was, Paul suffered physically at their hands. The other one's going to be in Ephesus. And these two cities, he loves so much. He's like, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all, with joy. Why with joy? Because Paul isn't focused on his own circumstances. He knows he's in jail. He knows he's in prison. But he also knows that there's a benefit to that. But his focus is on Jesus and his focus is on others. 
okay? And you'll see, even see through this letter. This acronym actually plays out in this entire letter because there will be a moment where Paul even addresses a need of his own. But right now, he's like, man, I'm focused on the Lord. And as I'm focusing on the Lord, he reminds me of you. And then I start praying for you. And my heart is overwhelmed with joy because I'm focused on Jesus and I'm praying for you guys. It says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day from when I showed up on those riverbank prayer meeting, you guys have been there with me. Your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you, that Jesus, the he there, it's a reference for Jesus, that Jesus who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. Let's camp out here for a second. Another aspect of being full of joy, pause confidence. Pause confidence. This is something that's missing, I think, I, I think in modern church, okay? And let me explain this. Paul is writing this very intimate and personal letter to this group of believers, to this church that meets in Philippi. And he's expressing to these guys, he's like, look, man, my focus is on Jesus. And as I'm communing with him, he reminds me of you and it fills my heart with joy. And I have this confidence, I have this confidence of his work in your lives. You don't hear that expressed a whole lot, right? I mean, there's this thing of like self-confidence. I'm not talking about like self-confidence. I'm talking about confidence from a, a leader, a, a pastoral individual. Paul is a pastor in that sense, in expressing confidence in what Jesus is doing in your lives, in your lives. What we also don't see a lot of is us, I, and listen, I'm, I'm guilty of this, okay? I, this is something, especially as I've been studying through this letter, where I think the Lord has, has been showing me this, and, and I want to get better at this, where I can come alongside other people and say, hey, can I just speak some confidence to you of what the Lord Jesus is doing in your life? Because that's what Paul's doing here. He's... he's He's lifting these guys up, so to speak, in a healthy way, saying, I'm confident. I am absolutely 100% confident in what the Lord, what he has started in your life and what he's going to finish in your life. We need more of that in the church. We need more of that within, with each other, coming alongside each other, saying, hey, look, I'm confident of this one thing, not you and your ability, but of Jesus and his ability. For what he started in you, he will finish it. We need more of that today because everybody's discouraged, because our world is discouraged. What, 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 what we need more, so, and I think in the church we need this so much, we need individuals, we need brothers and sisters in the Lord who know how, who know how to come alongside somebody and say, hey, I'm, I'm confident in this, that God is faithful, and he is faithful in your life, and what he started with you, whenever that was, he will finish it. We need more of that. This one verse hit me so hard this week. Where I was like, man, I don't think I do that that much. And we can. And we should. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And we should. And I, and I would say, you know what? Take a second, underline that verse. 
memorize this verse, being confident of this very thing, and then start praying, start asking the Lord, Lord, man, who do I need to encourage today? Who do I need to encourage today? Who maybe in my life is going through a, is going through a difficult season right now, and they need me to come alongside them and say, hey, 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 he started it. He will finish it. I love this. I, I mean, this just speaks volumes to me, and, and I, hope it, I hope it resonates within your heart as well. Paul is letting this, this beautiful little church body, this amazing little church plant know, hey, Jesus started the work, and Jesus is going to finish the work. So you stay focused on him. Stay focused on him. Don't you give up on Jesus. We, I say this all the time. It is always too soon to quit. Always. Being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ. Now, what is this good work? Part of this good work, and we saw it on the video, is this process of sanctification. That's a fancy word, right? Sanctification. It's a lifelong process. The moment you give your life to Jesus, he begins working in and through you. He is developing you. He is sanctifying you, okay? He's transforming you. Now, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus for sure. But how you, how you look on day one should not be how you look on the last day, okay? There should be some growth. There should be a trajectory. Now, if your life is anything like mine, it's going to look like this, okay? It's going to be lots of ups and lots of downs, okay? Maybe some, how did it go backwards? I don't know. Rough, rough season. I don't know. But ultimately, it's, it's an arc, and it, it's an arc, and it's getting you not, you'll never be perfect on this planet. Won't happen. It's not going to happen. You'll be glorified when you're with Jesus, that perfection. Sanctification is the process that's getting you there. But you should be able to track within your life fruit, growth, progress, okay? That's the work Jesus is actively doing inside of you. And he's getting you through it. And he will get you through it. And at the end of it, whatever the end is, whenever the end is, and please never, ever forget this, Jesus is in control of when your end is. Nobody else is. Nobody else is. Okay? So if there's a fear, surrender that fear to Jesus. Because there's a lot of fear in our world right now, being propagated like crazy. Jesus is in control of it. Now, does that mean you live like a fool? No. Smart. He's giving you a brain. It's a beautiful thing. Use it. Use it, please, okay? Whatever percentage we actually use, I don't even know. Use all of it, okay, that you possibly can. But know this. Jesus is in control of your life. The start and the end day, okay? He's got that. Nobody else can take that. Nobody else, okay? So we're trusting in him. He's, he's faithful from the beginning to the end. He's going to see you through it. You can trust in him. You're just like Paul I would say to you guys, I'm confident in this one thing, that he who began a good work in you is faithful. He will complete it. He will complete it. Verse 7, just as it is right for me to think this of you all. Paul's like, I have every right to think this of you all, okay? He's like, I can think this of, of y'all. Uh, there you go. I'm, I keep walking away from my Texas version. Um, of you all. You all is mentioned, uh, I think, at least like nine times. Okay, at least nine times. I think there's 18 references to Jesus just in chapter one. 
which is, it should tell you a lot about who this letter is really, you know, focusing on. And it's Jesus, okay? Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of Philippians, a New Testament letter written by the Apostle Paul. This letter was meant to encourage the church in Philippi. Paul expressed great appreciation for this group of believers, and he made sure to mention that they were very generous in supporting his ministry. This is how we feel here at Bread for the Broken, too. We're so grateful for your listening support, as well as any financial support you feel led to give. We ask that you pray for this ministry and also pray about supporting us in ways that are necessary to keep these teachings airing to people near and far. If you're interested in being a part of this support, go to breadforthebroken.com and click on the About tab. You'll find a link there to donate. Thank you for your prayerful consideration of giving to us here. If you missed any of this teaching or would like to hear more from Pastor James in the book of Philippians, visit our website today at breadforthebroken.com. Look under the Listen tab. We'd also love to meet you too, so if you're in the area, come visit us at Calvary Galveston. We meet each Sunday and Wednesday for worship and Bible study. Find out more at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for joining us today as a part of our listening audience. Through this ministry, the gospel is going forth and lives are being changed. Tune in next time for more from the Book of Philippians, right here on Bread for the Broken.